welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment, or now we can say Shock Treatment TV to, as well. Yeah, I think so. It's one of those things. We just started that up, folks out there. You know, for I'd like to say, we, we hope everybody had a fantastic Halloween. You know what I mean? That was uh, this this last weekend. We hope anybody out there watched the nice Boombastics um gigantic you know our, our, our super cool, duper uh, halloween extravaganza you got it right there uh show 2020 year one as mel likes to say yeah 2020 the only good thing that came out of it is we finally get shock treatment tv going <laughs> oh yeah it's true it's nice of course our, yep. video, our, our interview with uh sarah french and joe netter and no better day for us to drop Shock Treatment TV than on the day that Blind is officially released. Yes, ma'am. November 3rd. Um, it's also Election yeah. Day. Yeah, and right day now, day. I'm not liking the outcome of what's happening. I have the, every, you know, I got the news going on in the background on a like low volume just so we can hear everything, but like right now, everybody. It looks like we're gonna get stuck with another four years of fucking Trump. What state? What what channel are you watching? Um, NBC. I wonder what the ratings. What they do for ratings on all the different channels? You know what I mean? They must I'm curious. I I don't. I'm not the one that put the channel on. Um, Justin's kind of going back and forth. Yeah, it's a- and trying to check out different channels and see what their coverage is. But so far, the majority of everybody that they've shown state-wise, it's, Trump is smashing Biden. It is the political Super Bowl. You know what I mean? We talked about that on the, the newest episode of Behold the Pale podcast. Yeah, uh, we got to, you know, the, yeah, I, like I don't, like, they recall the Electoral College is going to vote and, you know, that's who's going to win and blah, 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 blah. It's yeah. never... I wonder if they sell uh, commercial time for like gigantic money during these because there's a lot of like like we just said there's a lot of people watching these different channels and the in the new shows talking about you know what's going well, on where they live in I'm not really a fan of like Fox News yeah. because they they love to embellish you know um they all do they all do yeah yeah but there was like an incident I want to say it was this year yeah. where there was supposedly a shooting. And then it turned out that Fox news actually after the footage was shot, put in the sounds of the gunshots. So I believe it, you know, like, you know, that's some, like, that's some dirty shit. Like if I wanted to, if I want to see media has no, they have no chill. They have no fucking shame, dude. They, they, they're out there. They'll say they'll they'll put they, they want whatever grabs people and brings them in is what they'll go. And I, half the shit they don't even believe in themselves. They just it's p- pitching to their audience. You know what I mean? But like the yep. crazy part on both sides is that they they twist it up their way that it makes people rabid, rabid like the David Cronenberg film. Yeah, not a good. It's not necessarily a good thing. Well, no, not at all. For sh- definitely not. I was happy to hear. I haven't really got into the news, but I didn't hear of any big crazy shootings or wild, you know, crazy madness or bombings or anything like that at any like 
polls, which no, they ha- I haven't heard anything about that yet. I don't I don't know about where you are in Massachusetts, but I know here in Rhode Island, there's places that they're like literally already they've started boarding up businesses and banks and all that kind of thing this afternoon in preparation for whatever happens tonight with, you know, once the polls closed and the votes and everything are in. So, okay. They already said it several times that all the votes probably won't be counted tonight. And it probably a couple of days before we know for sure who the winner actually is. Yeah. But so what are you going to do? Are you going to leave your windows boarded up this whole time until the actual, you know, votes come back and they announce who the president is, or are you just, you know, doing this as a precautionary measure for tonight only just to, you know, show people that you're protecting your property and whatnot. Precautionary probably. I mean, it's a worry. It's, it's a worry thing. You know, if you're a, I mean, everything's a worry. I, you've never, there's never been an, I, I don't like, there's never been an election where you see businesses boarding up their windows because of the outcome, the White House they put a they put up a special fence around the White House to protect it from people going there and, and causing you know problems because of you know the possibility if Trump wins again that they don't want rioters going there. Well, I mean, I would, I, mean, I, I would too, and I'd hope he'd be there with me. I look at it like this: if we had if shock treatment with Mel and Maddie was a store, a corner store that sold T-shirts that that said "shock treat with Mel and Maddie" on them, and there was any you know, any possibility of, like, the store getting broke, like, torn up and our sh- all our inventory getting fucked up and us losing out of the Oh, ass. no, I'll put that, like, if we get I'll, a little... We definitely get a little up. Store, like, take into consideration, like, probably, we would probably have, like, the steel doors or something anyways, because most of yeah, the little yeah. bodega-type buildings, that's what they, they use at night when they close up, like, the metal fence-type deal. I you want... Know? It's like, it's going to be like, I'm kind of, yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Like, I'm seeing like the whole movie, The Purge coming to life tonight type of deal. Yeah. For the weekend here, um, police had gotten wind of, for Halloween weekend, the police had gotten wind of a flyer that was going around about Mm. The Purge was going to happen this weekend in Providence. Nice. And it wasn't going to be a, it wasn't it wasn't going to be a peaceful protest like some that have been going on, right? So you know the police got wind of that little you know tidbit of information and have been out in full force everywhere you look. Well, you know, politics bring out the bad in everybody. I feel much like other things do too. But I think with politics- the, yeah, because with, with the way the this year is going, it's just like let's add some more fucking craziness to it. You know, I think, yeah, I think people are just going stupid, like permanently just because they've got cabin fever from having to be stuck in the house all the time with COVID or, you know, God forbid, you know, people, parents have to stay home and, you know, homeschool their children. (laughs) You're stuck at home all day with your child. Oh, no. You know, just like, I think just the stress of everything is making people a lot more crazy than normal. Well, yeah, you st- the, the cabin fever is a legitimate psychological thing, you know what I mean? It happens to you if you're stirred up. Now you're, you know, surrounded with people that might get on your nerves. You love them, might, they get on your nerves. You're getting like a, like a Jack Torrance type effect. You're getting the shot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that like the divorce rate, you know, the divorce rate's probably going to go up after COVID. <laughs> um, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of couples breaking up because they're sick of looking at one another or, you know, all they've done the entire time that, you know, they've been stuck home together is fight. I, I feel, I feel bad for people that are in bad relationships, you know, if they're in a, an abusive relationship and here, now here you are being told you can't leave your house. So you're stuck with an, yeah. an abusive partner. So, you know, there's like a lot of things that all tie in and making everything nuts. I agree. And that, that is unfortunate. I mean, if they were, if they're trying to get out of it, then that sad, you know what I mean? There's a lot of the, you know, the COVID thing we brought up. Uh, I think we brought up on the show before one of the shows, how it's like, I didn't even realize this until after the fact, it was like when they shut down everything, imagine the people that are in like treatment or they go to like AA and all that. And they like need the people that really depend on that gathering with a small group. Yeah, to maintain their sobriety. Talk about what bothered them that day. You know, tell them that they're, you know, they're really, you know, they really want to drink that day. And, you know, somebody talk me down type deal. You know, know, those people. Yeah, because, like, I know there, I know that a lot of the AA groups are doing, like, Zoom meetings now. It took a little bit. Yeah, now it took them, like, it took them a few weeks to get everything, like, situated. Think about that. Oh, I know. I've um, remember when like this first broke off, and there was like I'm talking about the time of like when that kid, that teenager, killed himself because he was afraid that the world was never going to be the same again. Do you remember when that happened? Yeah, month or two into it, and like everybody was just like (laughs) like shell shocked from like the deal. Yeah, it's sad. Like it's sad. You don't realize how fragile a person's state of mind is until something like this happens and then you know it sets everybody off on a tangent because you know you can't you know like me I have severe depression issues so you know I posted something earlier it was funny but it's true you know you've got you know the fact that it's COVID you have COVID stress you have you know, seasonal depression. I have seasonal depression. This is the time of year where mine gets worse. You're stuck inside. We've already been stuck inside because of work. You know, you're st- I'm stuck inside at work. I can't yeah. take really take my client too many places because of COVID. So, like, everything just builds up. And, you know, at the- there's going to be a breaking point for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people, it just might be tonight for some reason. Well... I think nothing's nothing's final until it's final. It's just nothing surprises me anymore, especially this year. Even more so, nothing's really surprising me anymore. Well, let me let me let me surprise you and say that I found a copy of Beyond the Gates. Yeah, you told me that. I still I haven't found any. I haven't found any more. Like the dollar she's in here in Rhode Island really sucks. I have, <laughs> I have a copy of Murder Party for you. Murder Party. I have not seen that one either. Yes. yes. Uh, very good stuff. Um, whenever I uh, I embarrass myself because the people whose names I know I forget when when I, when I need to know them. Yeah, that's um, usually the way it works. Jeremy, I'm first name Jeremy. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
I'll think of the last name, but he, you know, he's all that murder party was his first film. Um, watching it, you can tell, you can tell it's very low budget, but you can tell that there's Jeremy Solner, but you can tell that greatness is coming. Um, yeah. And he later went on to do a, a, a movie called Blue Ruin, which was a masterpiece revenge independent film. And he also did Green Room, which is a masterpiece. That's a really good movie. I, I have, that. I've seen that. He's one um, of my favorite. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite. What's interesting about him is he jumps around. He does a lot of crew work too. He's a cinematographer. Like he shot, uh, he did a movie called, uh, Into the Cold or something like that. He did it for Netflix. And that was a that was kind of revengey, um, and that was a cool flick too. I know that he was supposed to do a full trilogy of a, like a color trilogy. He did Blue Ruin, did the Green Room, and he's supposed to do a third color movie, which uh, is cool. I always love it when directors have gimmicks like that. Yeah, that is kind of a dope uh, you know, way to do something. It's uh, it's good. It's a good deal. But yeah, Jeremy Solner is awesome. He's right. Him and Ari Aster probably. Right up there, I, uh, I, you know, our boy uh, Jordan Peele, I, I almost put him in a bigger category than them. He's so big at this moment that it's like he's brand. The only thing is, is with like with Jordan Peele, is just that I hope that with the success that he's having right now with his films, that he continues to keep putting out movies as good as the couple he's already got out. You know, that this isn't just going to be his, like, 15 minutes of fame aside from the acting and the comedy. Nah, I feel he's a very smart guy. He's going to follow up. He's going to follow up with films that he plans out and, you know, does does for reasons, you know, like the way they all have that. They're horror movies or whatever, but they have uh, thrillers, but they have that, the political ties and there's really messages in them. I think as long as he continues to do that doesn't really flood flood the audience with a lot of movies if he doesn't you know which I don't think he will like I don't think you'll you'll probably maybe every couple of years you'll see a movie of his uh, maybe even a little more than that I think but if he kept his hand more in producing stuff like he's got his hand in the new candyman movie yeah I think that's gonna be a good deal for him and it's good because uh, he can give a voice to new filmmakers and that way, a new filmmaker might be able to get a little, go a little darker than he could go, but wants to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, set, yeah, set in, like, setting like the, a, the stage for a lot of up-and-comers yeah, to push the push that envelope. He's at that point now where he's becoming a household name to the point where he has to be safe a little bit, I feel. Like he's, like with the Ariasta and, and Solner and stuff, I feel like they can still keep an edge and do things offensive where, you know, Jordan Peele, I feel like, is kind of almost broken out of this zeitgeist into a into a realm of i don't want to compare him to a spielberg but i would definitely put him up there with like a jj abrams like he's 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 somebody i'd put him up there he's at the heights of a tarantino you know what i mean within within power and stuff like that right now like the all these heavyweight he's probably he has more he probably has more power than a scorsese right now i feel who's an iconic, legendary master of a director and filmmaker. Um, but, like, I feel that like Jordan Peele is just so huge right now, and he's a talented dude. I'm not saying he shouldn't be. But I think he, yeah. he almost, like, broke through the glass, you know what I mean, in a way. 
and he's doing yeah, like, like, like when like like Willy Wonka with the glass elevator, but, you know, for real, crashing, yeah, like, crashing through that ceiling. Who who who's who gets to the heights that he's gotten to? You know what I mean? Just I think he's doing. I think he's doing better with the horror movies than you know with the comedy sketches. And the show is almost great. yeah. I never seen Keanu. Keanu looked like it was a little too much for me. Keanu, I, I did. I I saw that in theaters. Yeah. Um, you didn't miss anything. Still aren't missing anything. Show. I mean, it had its funny moments, but not enough to carry that whole film. Mm. Like I went in. I was. I was. I even smoked before I went. Yeah, you know, kind of, because you know, usually if you smoke and you go see a comedy movie, you know, things are funnier, and yeah, it yeah. didn't help. <laughs> didn't help. Brings your focus in and all that more. Yeah. The um, yeah, but Jordan Peele, I mean, he's definitely the king, kind of right now. Political, he's making political, um, you know, to the to the, to the not like you know, political in the sense of like uh, presidential. We're not going presidential here. Yeah, it kind of sucks that. You know, the new Candyman got pushed back because of COVID to to next year for the yeah. release date because it was supposed to get released. I think it was supposed to get released this month. Like they change, they've had to change the date so many times yeah. because of things going on. I kind of would have liked to see how that would fit in right now with everything going on. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a weird. Yeah, I mean you got a really good point with that. Because it, uh, I feel like it. Uh, it the, if it deals with the same things that the first one dealt with, which I'm sure it does, then um, yeah, it does tie into kind of right now. Like I said about him making the right moves, making Candyman at a time like this is perfect, perfect timing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he'll continue to make per- great moves, and you know, you know, I think so. He'll be around for a while, and he'll he'll keep his spot and. And, you know, like, and I'm not even going to lie at first when I found out, you know, that he was going to reboot it, I wasn't so sure how I would feel about it, you know, because, you know, like I always say, reboots, remakes, whatever they want to title it are never usually that good. Right. But with the success of Us and Get Out and, you know, the way he presented both of those movies, I really, really, really want to see Candyman. Candy, yeah, yeah. Like sooner rather than later. So it's it sucks even more so that you know the date got pushed to next year. Yeah, the trailer looks really cool. It is. It's a movie you're gonna want to see in theaters. You know what I mean? I catch that vibe. For sure. Surrounded, you know, the big screen and all the music around you. Boom, bringing you in. You know what I mean? But when we can do normal things like that again. If if there ever if there ever is a, a a time where we all go go back, we could be going back to a future where even if we go to the movie together, we're like five feet away from each other, or have to wear like an oxygen mask or something. Their idea, their idea of out of the woods is five feet away forever. Yeah, from out, not 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 six. We've progressed from six, but. For the rest of everybody's stay on Earth, they're gonna have to do. Well, that. I saw I saw that like in Massachusetts, uh, Governor Baker has like changed the, the rules Baker. and regulations about you know the times and distances that 
you know, you have to have a mask on at all times, even if you are socially distanced, you can't, you know, not have a mask on. You to have a mask on at all times um, from 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. Yeah. Everybody's supposed to be back in, you know, home and in the house. They don't want people out after 10 p.m. Bars, restaurants and all that. The gyms have been told they have to close by 930 so, you know, it's taking a step back instead of moving forward because people were so lax with following everything that's precautionary to have stopped this by now or at least, you know, lessened it. Yeah. Yeah, the gyms were a weird one. Um... Like, I don't like having the mask on on a normal basis as it is. It's, you I know, it, ma- I hate the mask. Being awesome. claustrophobic and having asthma mask is not a fun thing. But you know what? I wear the damn thing. And, you know, with the exception, obviously, of being home or, oh, you know, really? at my dad's house. But, you know, the other day there was some guy in Walmart, no mask on. And he's like, oh, look at all these people staring at me, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, they're staring at you because you're not wearing a mask. You're You're not part of the norm right now not playing the game you know i'm sure that that person had a reason or a health condition you know that he shouldn't have the mask he doesn't have to wear the mask but you know you do you now if you go out without one you stick out like a sore thumb yeah no it's true it's true for sure um i guess the mask thing first came around i remember like i remember when nobody was wearing masks and, like, when you did wear a mask or you seen somebody wearing a mask... Other you people, stared at them. Other people looked at them like they were piles of shit. Like, like that, like them wearing the mask would bring the sickness over, you know what I mean? Like, they, I mean, when it first started, like, within a couple of days of, you know, everything getting closed down or, you know, and them telling us, you know, to be careful before they even said anything about the mask thing... I started wearing one, yeah. like going to the grocery store or anywhere where there was going to be an extended group of people. Right. Like, I don't trust nobody. I don't, you know, I don't believe anybody. Like, I don't need to get sick and die or be sick and, and end up in the hospital for weeks on end yeah. because of somebody else's stupidity, stupidity ignorance or you know just the lack of giving a shit you're not wrong there sister yes the mask is a pain in the ass but I'll take you know having to wear the mask then the the alternative the alternative rock Mm. take the mask over the alternative rock any day of the week uh. (laughs) seriously so, you know, with, with talking about good old Jordan Peele and his film Get Out, you know, it kind of goes into the direction that we we're going to discuss. We we're going to kind of discuss politics and horror films um, because today is the day of politics and blind. Um, and some people say that that's a lot of the same shit. Politics and blind go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, that's what they say. Um, you know. Um, so everything kind of dropped to the good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mundo. Um, but yeah, we got, uh, 
you know, we got a couple movies we'll rock through. And, uh, you know, we'll start off, of course, with the John Carpenter classic, which whenever you want to think of a movie, a horror film that has politics written all over it, you got to think of a movie like They Live, right? Yep, that's a great one with Mr. Uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. Our boy, Roddy Roddy Piper, <laughs> the man. Love Roddy Piper. Met him at Rock and yep. Shock. Rest in peace, Rock and Shock and Roddy Piper. I never got to meet him. Um, he was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, though. So, like, that was kind of cool when he when I saw that movie for the first time and he was in that. Roddy Piper was, like, the, the best bad guy image uh, up until Razor Ramon. You know, he, he Roddy Piper was an interesting dude. For anybody that likes cats, they should love Roddy Piper because Roddy Piper is a street cat. You know what I mean? He was a dude that, you know, his gimmick was that he came up hard on the streets and he fought for, he had to fight for his dinners and stuff. And then he eventually worked his way into wrestling and, you know, he was just a passionate fighter and that was his whole deal. Um, a real man's man, some some people would say. And then he linked up with JC, you know, not Jesus Christ, but some. I, people, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, he eventually linked up with him. Some people would compare. Well, he did in the in the afterworld. They linked up. Yeah. Um, Roddy Piper has a cool, uh, like, uh, celebrity ghost story episode. He was on one of those celebrity ghost shows, and he was talking about one of his buddy wrestlers that used to come visit him. Um, but yeah, they live, you know, of course, you know, the plot is kind of, you know, the aliens are out to get us yet again. And, um, they've infiltrated our world, you know, our political world and it is regular everyday society. Um, um, what's it, John, nobody, John, everybody, I forget Roddy's name in the movie or every something, uh, his name's very basic, but it's like a symbol for anybody. It could be anybody type deal. Yeah. He's like, and, uh, like you said, he's, he's, he's pretty much speaking for everybody in that movie. Yeah. And he, like, you know, the everyday person. Yeah. For the majority, I think the majority of folks have probably seen the film. But for anybody who hasn't, you know, go check it out. We're not going to spoil it too much because... Just remember your bubble gum. Yeah. You, you've came to this world to go watch They Live and Chew Bubble Gum, and you're all out of bubble gum. So go <laughs> watch They Live if you haven't seen it. Not going to spoil any more of it for you. Um, well, we are because you should have seen it. So yeah, pretty much at this he point. Sungla- he gets these sunglasses... Uh, and through these sunglasses uh, and this like under underground society of people that are woke, they're trying to tell society about the aliens. Uh, these sunglasses, you can see that the, the, these reptilians are just, uh, you know, behind the facade of humans. You know what I mean? They're humanzies. Wearing them as a, as a human suit, yeah, so, so, they, so to speak. So it's a big infiltration system. You know what I mean? Um, it goes right, but it's in the kind of in the same vein of invasion of the body snatchers, all of them. There's like five of them, um, from all the way back in the day to, I think the latest one was, uh, Nicole Kidman, I think was in. Did yeah. Not, invasion. wasn't like, wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah. The original one's fun. It's a good flick. You know, it's older, so it's a little, might feel a little dated, but it, in the same 
that and the and I think the, the actual like first remake. Well, this is where we're going. The first remake is what I'm talking about, and then we go into the next one, which is the Phil, uh, 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 Philip Kaufman reboot with like Donald Sutherland and Goldblum and stuff, and that's a masterpiece. I love that one. Yeah. Um, my, Abel Ferreira took a stab at, at the Body Snatcher series at one point, which that one's kind of fun to go back and look at. Uh, I remember at the time it wasn't that fun. When I first seen it, I remember being like, eee. Um but I got to rewatch it because uh, it's weird. It's a weird movie. It almost felt like it was made for TV, but why would Abel Ferreira be making a movie for TV? You know what I mean? Even though he did direct an episode of Miami Vice. Uh, so, I mean, it could have been maybe originally, you know, that could have been the idea they were going for to try and put it on TV, but who knows? It's true. You know what I mean? But it has that whole vi- that whole vibe, you know, um, of the whole alien, that whole alien thing, uh, pushing the agenda and stuff, which has always been, you know, always been like a fun deal. And who knows what the reality is? It, it don't sound like it's that far off from being reality, which is the crazy element of the whole thing. Yeah, seriously. You know what I mean? It's a weird deal. Um Next up, uh, they got Jaws is a, a, a one of the movies that people say is very political. Do you know why, Mad Mel? Because <laughs> people not listening and the governor not giving a shit and just allowing things to happen. Why? Is that a very political thing that would happen? Not in Rhode Island. Uh, not anywhere. I don't think anywhere. I don't think anybody would ever. <laughs> ever no, like, I, I, think, I think like even, you know, the mayor in that kind of reminds me of like the governor here, you know, with keeping wanting to make sure that the beaches stayed open and yeah. whatnot, because that's how New England states, you know, especially Rhode Island, hello, the ocean state, you know, gets a lot of their money. So, you know, the money would have lost, the state would have lost way too much money with the beaches being closed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's very, it's very has that political deal where it is, it is a uh, over money move moves made over money to. Um, I don't know a politician that. Right. Yeah, uh, there's there's not a politician that money's not going to be some kind of an issue. Yeah, they just want to they just want to make the money and you know make their pockets keep getting fatter. Well, flaw. Yeah, it's a flaw in humanity. Greed, you know what I mean? Um, Unless you're me that don't have it, and then you don't really care that you don't have it. You know, you just live. Greed would be, greed would be one of those things that would only, it's only human, only humans would be greedy, uh, I guess, for uh, certain things of money. You know what I mean? I guess if you were an animal or something, you might be greedy with the food that you're saving for the winter or something. Um, or an alien, maybe a resource, but I would never see an alien being greedy um, for money, of course, because if you're coming from a different planet, I don't think money matters much. Yeah, uh, let's just feed the, let's just feed them to the shark. Yeah, we don't want a, an intergalactic shark. We're feed <laughs> an intergalactic shark. The way these movies keep going, I wouldn't be surprised to see a you know intergalactic shark movie at some point. 
you know, it's it's one of those things, you know what I mean? Um, but it's it's yeah. So like, have you seen like I I know that we have like a list yeah. of movies that are very political within the horror genre. But did you ever see that movie, um, The Tripper? It's got David Arquette in it. The Tripper, I've never seen, but it's I want about- to see it. like a comedic slasher movie, right? Yeah, and it, it's all it all takes place within the Reagan era. Yeah, the Reagan era was an interesting time. Yeah, and that actually wasn't that bad of a movie. Yeah, I heard. Um, I actually the only reason why I don't own it realistically is because I never stumbled into it. Don't yeah, it's and it's it's actually super hard to find. Yeah, like if I when I the Fye days, if I found that for like seven bucks and under, I would have grabbed that up all day, and that's a movie that I think I would. But um, the Tripper is almost something that I would I'd probably stumble into at the Dollar Tree. I can see. Yeah, that. I wouldn't doubt it. But it's it, it's like a it really is a super hard movie to find, even on to stream it. It's hard to find. I'd love to get our cat on the show because there's so much to talk about with him. He yeah, because he's done a wide range of films. So you know, kind of. He feels like know. an accessible guy. You know what I mean? You know, we also have uh, The Crazies, George A. Romero's The Crazies from 1973. You familiar with that film? I've seen it once. It's been a while since I've watched it. I've actually seen the remake of that one more often. Yeah, the, the remake was actually pretty good. You know, it's a you know, Pennsylvania town is torn apart by the, the chemicals released on them. In the, yeah, because it was all put in the water and, you know... Making them psychopaths, making them yep. violent. So they're making them broad street bullies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, you know, instead of drinking water and becoming kind of like, you know, mutating with flesh falling off and whatnot, yeah. they just go nuts instead. Which is one of those things that is political because you you can easily wrap your head around the fact that the government would do something to this by you know a certain circumstance that the government has done stuff like that with like LSD giving out LSD at the, the there's a uh, I don't have my my paper of facts within me but you can look up that they've def, they've done the dosing to try it out to see what it did to un, unsuspecting minds like Alexander Hawk's mind. <laughs> Poor Alex. Um, they they dosed them up to see what they do and how they'd react and stuff. So like, I definitely feel. Uh, I I think that's something that I I feel that that's something they would do. Um, that right, they don't care. That that's what they were pitching um, COVID as originally, pretty much something like that that went went global. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was figuring. Like, it's almost like chemical ro- uh, warfare, like with Resident Evil. Yeah. You know, he, he dropped the vial, supposedly, you know, as he tossed it walking by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen President Evil? No. I, it was like the best gimmick for a horror movie of all time. It had, I think when he went, when, when, during the first election, I think it came out. And it was, uh, it was, it's called President Evil instead of... I've heard of it. I just haven't seen it's, it. It's about a dude in a Trump mask running around killing people, which is like genius. Genius. Um, I'm surprised it didn't blow up. I'm surprised it wasn't like a terrifier type deal. You know what I mean? I kind of want to, I kind of want to see if I can find it and watch it. Tonight. I do too. It was somewhere. I seen a poster for it. It might, 
if it was only a poster, somebody needs to get on that and make that movie. Uh, but I seen a poster for it. I assumed that it was a, a film. A I've real never, thing. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've been curious. I've never like really seeked it out. So it could be fake. It could just be the poster that happened. Yeah, like a or a fan thing. Yeah. Um, I just actually looked it up. Uh, yeah. it's an actual movie. All right, cool. Written and directed by Richard Lowry. Um, I have Lynn Lowry's brother. I don't know. I have. I kind of from the from the original crazies. Yeah, I, I don't recognize anybody that's actually in the movie. But yeah, it's a real movie. So now there's going to be a question of how to find it. George it was, himself was like the king of social commentary. Yeah, it was released October eighteenth, twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's an eighty. It's eighty one minutes. That was a good year, right? I didn't have to wear a fucking blanket around my face that year. Seriously. That was beautiful times. You know, when you left the house, you didn't have to remember cell phone, keys, and mask. Yep. Our our pal, you know, the social commentary king, social commentary uh, hero, some would say, George A. Romero, the late great rest in peace. Nothing but pounds and pounds and barrels and truckloads of love for him. The greatest. Yeah, seriously. He put, he put out the best movies and all of them. You know, definitely. Were relevant times they were released. You know, definitely on his political, political uh, side, too. You know what I mean? Just to go to the dead movies, you know what I mean? I think that whole, the whole, the whole zombie thing, I think, was a play on the dumbing down of culture and shit, you know what I mean? I think it had that vibe to it, but you take like Night of the Living Dead you know what I mean? Huge film you know, Dwayne Jones playing Ben I think was one of the first African American heroes on film, if I remember correctly Yeah, and it sucked because he gets you know, taken out at the end A lot of things, yeah, he gets taken out, that was very controversial, he got he got killed at the end of the movie, you know it, it ties into you know, that was happening in, in certain places of the country at the time. People, you know, they were just carelessly, like, they killed him. Because the way they kill him in the film, it's just like he is a zombie where it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Yeah, because they just, they saw a movement and just automatically assumed that he was one. Now, George always claimed in interviews that he gave, Ben got, uh, uh, Dwayne got the role of Ben because uh, he was just the best actor for it. And that, like, race had nothing to do with it. And who, who knows if that's true? You know, um, but it, I mean, it could have it could have mildly had something to do with it. But who's going to want to say that? Yeah, we hired him for that role specifically because he was a black guy. Well, it's a weird thing. It's like, do you want to take credit for that? Because it's it's a political statement at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that point, the the message almost comes bigger than the movie. Maybe he was afraid of having that happen because that does happen sometimes. But I yeah, think- and then it takes and then take away from everything else that the meaning the you know the movie's supposed to be about. Yeah, but I do, I do think he was conscious of his choice. It's hard not to be. You know what I mean? And uh, he's always been a man of equality throughout. Whenever you look at the casting of his films, you know what I mean? I think a lot of movies are like that, whether political-based or not. You know, yeah. usually the creator 
has somebody in mind for specific roles. Yeah, it's true. You know, that just was to, just to add that little, you know, extra element of it to it. Yeah, you, the, uh, Dwayne manhandles the like the dude, like the asshole white dude at one point. Oh uh, yeah, I loved that because I, I I so wanted him to shoot him oh, in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't something you were seeing every day on TV. You know? Yeah, that wasn't a regular thing. That was groundbreaking within itself. You know the the daughter killing the mother, with that, yeah. With when that, she turned with that plastering trowel or whatever that whatever she got her with, like mm-hmm. that iconic image. Yeah, you know you weren't seeing kids kill mothers that you know too often. Um, really, that that that, that really ground the United Living Dead is really groundbreaking for so many different reasons. You know what I mean? And to think that was a low, low, almost no budget movie that I think they worked at a TV station I think I think they, they did commercials so they worked at a TV station and something along those lines and it was yeah. another one of those stories where they just kind of got the equipment and, and made their film you know Adam Green has a story a lot like that too where he you know he worked at a TV station and that's how he got they got their equipment and they shot their movie on uh, movies on like the weekends and stuff yeah when, uh, when they could get the equipment easily yeah, you know, yeah. Dawn of the Dead is also like keep with the Romero thing. We'll roll through all his films a little. Well, all the zombies, zombie impact thing a little bit. You know, Dawn of the Dead was a a good showing of the how corporation was taken over and with the mall and everybody was obsessed with kind of like spending money and stuff. And uh, I love that we put them in there like they're very under the cuff, under the radar references and themes like that that were really cool yeah and it's funny to you know because he did he nailed he nailed it on the head because you're these people are all dead but yet something triggered in i i I don't want to really say their brain but like they're thinking somehow if something brought them to the mall there's something going on you know but it's just like Watching them, you know, try to barricade them all and keeping them out. And But as they're showing what the zombies are doing in the mall while they're battling, it's just, that's really what people look like on, like, Black Friday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they're realistic. You know. They're more violent. They're more violent on Black Friday. Like, seriously, like, it's that's Black Friday, it's it's an interesting deal. Um, at least the zombies the zombies just kind of move slow and bump into the door, and at worst they'll 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 hit it really hard with their palm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I heard Black Friday you're gonna get whacked over the head for a fifty dollar TV. Black Friday, someone's gonna drive a two thousand seven Ford Taurus through a fucking group of twenty people in, into a building. And then jump out of the like a clown car and try filling it up with fucking three dollars <laughs> Blu-rays. I, you know, I really wouldn't doubt it. Nothing surprises me, and this is like from people that you know, an hour or so prior, they were giving thanks <laughs> for everything oh. they have. I know that's the best part. <laughs> they, they, they thank, they thank, they thank the Lord for protection later that night. Yeah, because like literally, Black Friday no longer starts on Friday; it starts on Thursday. Like literally, you have Thanksgiving dinner with your family, and an hour later, most people are already starting that whole 
Black Friday shopping. I'm like, I ain't got no time for that. Thanksgiving's like the big medieval battle feast that they pre pre battle feast yeah. would have, where like they drink their wine, their chalices of wine, and be like, only half of us will return tomorrow, gentlemen. <laughs> so tonight, be merry. We drink, eat, drink, fornicate with women. Mom, mom will be back tomorrow with, with that fifty dollar fifty, you know, fifty inch screen TV for you that you don't need. Not the that new, it's $50, you know, but... The new 50-inch TVs become, like, uh... Well, bag. I mean, I've seen an advertisement already. Like, the TV that I have is a 43-inch. And when I bought it... I mean, it wasn't that expensive when I got mine. It was, like, maybe 150 Yeah. And for Black Friday, that's going to be, like, one of their big items. Is And they're going to be selling the same TV for $80. So, you know, you can see a bunch of, you know, spoiled little kids getting 43-inch TVs for their bedrooms because they need it. It's true. It's true. You know what I mean? But I think TV with video games and stuff and, like, TVs being used as monitors and smart TV, it's more of a necessity. Not really, but... but Not really a necessity because then these, these, you know, parents want to bitch and complain and everybody wants to bitch and complain about, you know, America being one of the most obese countries in the world. But kids don't go outside and play anymore. Even prior to COVID, they spend too much time in front of a damn TV. They spend too much time playing video games. Like, oh, they don't, sure. I'm they're not, not active enough. I'm, you know, for shizzle, for shizzle, my nizzle, you know what I mean? I, I mean, was, having having a period of time, I mean, I like to play video games. I, I mean, I'm not, like, an avid video game player. I actually, like, have to be in the right frame of mind to, or mood to play but, like, I'll play for, like, an hour, and I call it a day, and then I won't touch it. Like, I, I don't know even know why I bother having a PlayStation other for the fact that, you know, I use it as the Blu-ray player or, yeah. you know, to stream certain things. But it's very rare where I actually use it to play a video game. It just sits there mostly collecting yeah. dust. Yeah, as a kid, as a kid, I'd play video games for, like, four or five hours straight. And nowadays, if I play video oh. games for more than like an hour, I get I start to get like a headache. Start yeah, like we weren't allowed. We were we could play for like an hour, and we couldn't play during the school week. Like my parents were super really? strict about shit. Could- yes, yeah, super strict. They gave us an hour, or you know maybe two tops, and we could play on a Friday or on, like Friday and Saturday. We could play video games for a couple of hours if we wanted to, but. Other than that, they were putting our asses like, nope, it's not raining out. You can go outside and play. I woke up one morning and I played for Super Nintendo. I played Earth Defense Force from the fucking, and I beat the game before going to school. And it's one of those weird things like we talk about, uh, mostly ghostly, we talk about time travel and time slips. I don't know how I did it and felt like I only did it with one life. (laughs) <laughs> it was reality, but it was reality. I don't know what that was all about. But let's get back into um, the political horror. Um, to go Candyman, you know, we, we brought Candyman, Candyman up a little while ago, so we'll just dive back there real quick with the reboot coming up. Um, the original, you know, the Tony Todd uh, vehicle. Classic. Yeah, classic, 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 you know. With the remake coming out, yeah, you know, Tony's so good at that character that, you know, with the soft voice and that 
menacing like presence that's just he's a big tall dude and like yeah. he's uh you know he's intimidating you know what i mean i'm very curious to see how the new guy does how how well he does uh, i have faith though because i think uh the dude that i've seen i kind of spoiler alert i kind of think it's going to be one of those all in, in your head movies so i think that from what i gather they're kind of build like the, the main dude who's who's seeing all this weird stuff's happening to him yeah. i think i think it's gonna be like Candyman, like it's in his subconscious type deal yeah because it's like kind of like a it's one of those things where you if you do so much research or you look into something so much you start developing like characteristics or traits of that individual that you're researching because you go back to the original story uh which has you know racial you know terrible racial injustice all over it where you know the, the, i forget the candy man's actual name in the film i forget i'm sure he had a real name before it became the focal of the you know the legend yeah but uh he was he fell in love with i think one of his master's wife or something like that and they weren't down with that uh, you know so like they but took an interracial relationship. They didn't want the interracial relations, but I want to say it was like a slavery time thing, or maybe yeah, just out of slavery. It was back when it was really a boat. Like it was the times were like super fucking bogus for him. You know, it was no good. Well, uh, either way, interracial relationships of like even now, like well, yeah, times that's even, still yeah, a taboo type, type of thing. thing. Turn an eye to people it. get mad, especially like everything. Like God forbid, you know. We all bleed red, but, you know, let's make a big deal because the black guy and the white woman want to be together. Definitely, it's definitely less of a problem, but I'm sure in certain places it's still there a little bit, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, I'm sure. Like, know. down south, I, I bet that's a huge problem. Yeah, when people see me and Alexander walk around holding hands, we get a bad look, too. Yeah, I know. Those those kind of relationships aren't always a good thing, either. Sometimes. Very unfair. It is. Very unfair. Love is love, no matter Who's with? Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Yep. Maddie's Revenge. Yep. So, this, the new candy, you know, it it dives into all that crazy stuff of all the race stuff. They cut off his hand, they sting him with the bees, um, and then he's summoned back, and he's this spirit. So, I think the reboot, yeah, is going to have some, uh, Maybe he'll have like some mental. Maybe there'll be a, a life before we in, we're introduced to the character that we find out later in the movie. Like he was at a mental hospital or something like that, and yeah. we're gonna find out that this Candyman thing's all in his head and he's actually killing people. That's what I think they're going with it. Um, but uh, yeah, Candyman's uh, big, uh, big political, big political flick. You know, it's a lot of it was done in like a, a real poor area. The city that it was from in was it New Orleans? Where did it was either I want to? It's either New Orleans or Chicago. I don't well, somebody remember was, right now, but I know it was like it was in the projects. It was a rough area, yeah, yeah. And like when the kids go in, like when they go into the area, like the kids are like looking at them all, like "What are you doing here?" Type of deal. Like you know, damn well you don't belong in this area of town. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and there's uh, you know, yeah, it's it's one of those deals. Um, Daniel Robitaille, that was his name in Candyman. Okay, I support that. Yep. Um, next up, I want to jump into uh, the Wes Craven film that 
Jordan Peele is now supposedly rebooting, which I wanted to bring yes. up and talk to you about it as well. So I'm glad that it kind, of, it, it kind of fits the episode and the current events. And that film is Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Damn, damn People Under the Stairs. And, uh, you know, our good buddy Sean Whalen yeah. was in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they break into the house, I don't think they're expecting... <laughs> To have to deal with what they no, they're not deal with. That. This is another. This is another one that's like, that kind of they're in like a hood, urban like you know. It's like a really like a suburban that, area, but the house is creepy. Well, it's like they're kind of in the. It's a little bit suburban, but it's close to the hood, and like the people that own, I think their apartment building, are are are, are this family. You're gonna get some spoilers because this is a you know. This is uh, first day horror fan stuff. Yeah, yeah, because like this is this is the for the people that like are iffy about horror movies because they can't take like all the blood and guts and whatnot. This is like a good one to ease into it with. It's a little more psychological, like Wes Craven's been known to do, where there's yeah. a lot of blood and gore, but like these characters are demented and twisted. <coughs> like the father. <clears throat> Well, I forget his name. He reminds me of David Bryan from The Talking Heads. But he's also in um, Silver Bullet, Stephen King's Silver Bullet with Gary yep. Busey and Corey Haim. He plays the uh, the werewolf dude, the priest who's a werewolf. Yes. But this dude's a great fucking... He has a great look to him. Uh, very menacing, very menacing. I mean, they don't even really have... They just call them man and woman. They don't have, like actual, I don't think they actually ever referred to them as like by name, they just called them the man and the woman. Is it man and woman or is it mom and dad? Man and woman. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing though. because And then when the dude comes out in the gimp outfit, it, that kind of ties into it too where they don't have an identity. They're just kind of weird. Like they do have that weird vibe deal where like the father is like, he seems like the biggest sexual deviant like in the world. And the mother's all like so Susie homemaker type deal, or trying uh, to pre- at least portray that image, even though she's probably more she, devious than he is. Oh, they, they throw a makeup job on her that is supposed to be otherworldly. I think it's supposed to be like demonic. You know what I, I mean? mean? She was she was just creepy anyway. I think yeah. even that role aside, she just had that like kind of creepy vibe to her. That was fantastic stuff. Um, and she had a little perversion thing going too, where like, I think hurting when she puts that girl in the hot bath and stuff, like hurting, it was dark, it was dark. It was like Buddy Butterfuko's family when, uh, <laughs> when, he, when his, his upcoming. Yeah. Uh, right. And then, you know, people in the walls, but they cut the kid's tongue out and stuff and horrifying. Yeah, like Sean, Sean Whalen's character, Roach. Bing Rames, the... <laughs> The first time I remember seeing Ving Rhames, yep, Sean Whalen's great. For the later, go on to see him and uh, the whole the, the the hit ha 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 ha. It's actually it had a fantastic cast because you had you know Bill Cobbs was Grandpa, Kelly Joe Minter. Oh, for sure. Um, just a lot of well-known Jan Birch. Yeah, a lot of good, good, cool folks now. You know, the people under as the a stairs. stairmaster. I'm, I'm curious to see 
like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Candyman to come out because I want to see his take on that. But I really would like to see what he does with people under the stairs. People under the stairs is Wes Craven making a Bloom House movie. What do you think of that? What do you think of that accusation? Bloomhouse movies are bad. Like this most is of middle them. Of the, this is middle of the road. This is middle of the road. West Craven. Yeah, I don't. I mean, for the time that the movie came out, I don't think it was. I'd say it's a good Bloomhouse. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, it's a. It's better. I think it's that better than a Bloomhouse. I wasn't yeah, no, it's definitely that, it's, no, it's definitely better than a Bloomhouse movie, though. If, it can, if this movie was out today, if this movie was being released today, Bloomhouse would be releasing it. Probably. You know what I mean? If it was being made today. Well, I guarantee uh, more than likely when it's releasing when it, it is remade, they they yeah. Bloomhouse is probably got you know the right Candyman's Bloomhouse, right? I believe so. I think I think all of Jordan Peele's movies have been released somehow at Bloomhouse. He'll be doing the um, Peel House soon. It'll be bigger than fucking Blue House. Right. Um, Jason Bloom will be getting him coffee. <laughs> I didn't say and- that. Um, society, you familiar with Brian using his society? I actually really like that movie. I film. You just watched it recently. I, I just recently watched it. I like. I have a few movies where I try to watch them at least like once a year, just because of the facts of how well they were done and I had never seen that movie and I think the first time I ever watched it it was because Billy Coyne had recommended it and I'm like Uh, all right because I was looking for something older to watch and that's what he recommended and I watched it and I was like holy shit the entire time I'm like how fucked up is this movie like the relationship with the with the, the parents and the daughter and you know just the weird Shit yeah. that goes on at their little parties and whatnot. Just <laughs> your party animals. Yeah, no, like I, like I can know that scene where you know he sticks his hand down and, and it like comes out as his ass. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... like just there's a lot of imagery in that movie that you you won't forget anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure, especially when you're talking about asses. The um, high society. It's like uh, it's like if high society was as grotesque as the way they act. You know, kind of like well, the take on it. Most of them are. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but that that's the take on it. <laughs> yeah, almost like they're basket basket case creatures, freak. Like, yeah, like you're, you're, if you're not high society, if you don't, if you're not rich, you don't come from money, or you don't want to, you know. It's like dark Illuminati, satanic cult, fucking. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it reminded me. Beyond the pale, <laughs> scary stuff. It's yep, supernaturally demon, demon world, you know. But yeah, it's to take on you know society being you know the angels that they usually can be. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to bring up a movie called White Dog. Uh, I own this film, Criterion Collection film, Samuel Fuller, legendary filmmaker, actually native to Massachusetts. And this is this is that's one I'm actually not familiar with. I've, yeah, I've never I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. So it's one I'm curious to check out now and see how it relates to everything that is 
is and was going on in this world of ours. Uh, very, I'm surprised Coolidge hasn't brought this movie back around, but I want to say that there was a big issue with it because it's very racial. It is racially charged. The whole plot to it is, um, there's a, there's a dog, um, it's a white dog, white fur and all that. Which yeah, and they have it. They, I, I read about it, and it was like they have the dog trained to, to attack black people. Black people. It was. It was like a, it was a dog that like a clan member had or something. And the whole, if it seen black people, it was supposed to jump on them and kill them on sight. Yeah. But then later in life, it goes through. It gets you know <laughs> saved, and they bring it, and they start kind of re- rehabilitating it and stuff, and. um like the big test is, you know, yeah. There's a uh, they they work with it, work with it, work with it, they work with it, and the big test is they bring uh, a black gentleman in to see if it'll attack them. And the whole movie is kind of one of those things. It's kind of like about race racism in 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 society, where it's like you know people aren't born racist; they're kind of taught to be that way. It's like you know what I mean. So it's the same thing with the dog. Like that. This is when movies were deeper than. Just you know, what they are now. Yeah, right now it's just on the surface. This is like deep shit. So it's all about how this dog's been programmed. And it's a tragic tale. The whole thing's a tragic movie. Oh, and it is. It, everything. And it has a different tragic ending and everything too. It's like it's it's very one of those makes you think movies. But it's all about how this poor dog that everybody loves dogs, and it's like it's been trained to be bad, but it's not bad. Any well, it's like, like, cause like, it, I don't, if it came out, if it's one of those movies that came out in the 80s, you know, that's like the height of when everybody was like, oh, Rottweilers are this, Dobermans are that, but it's, yeah. and dogs are just like people. They're going to learn by what they're taught to do. So if somebody's teaching them to just, you know, attack a black person, of course, that's what that dog's going to do. They don't know any better. That's what they've, that's what they learned, yeah. you know? I won't spoil the ending for anybody that wants to watch it, but it is a good one. I do want to watch it, so don't spoil it. And, no spoilers. Uh, if you can't find it on digital, I have it if you want to see it, but if anybody can't find it on digital streaming anywhere, I do know that the Criterion Collection has released a, a copy. You can probably get on eBay if not. Yeah, I don't yeah, think- I definitely. It's something I definitely sound, sounds like something I want to check out for sure. But Samuel Fuller is great. I, I tried to pick up you know, his stuff whenever I can. Yeah, I'm starting to get more educated on horror movies since I've been friends with you. Because I, I I've brought in my horizons as to what I'll watch. And, you know, I've gotten away from watching just like the mainstream Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers type movies. Yeah, and he's a local. This is, this is more, this is, it's more of a thriller because it's realer stuff. The horror of it's more of like the subject matter, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, Samuel Fuller's great, and he's a local boy. That's kind of how I done a deep dive in and found it, because he's a local guy. You know, I know Tarantino's a gigantic Samuel Fuller fan, you know what I mean? But he's, yeah. he's a respected filmmaker, and uh, Wusta, the fact that he was from Mass, always tickled my fans. It's always a good thing. I think so. It always makes me smile, makes me so happy when I... When Can't I, go wrong. You always gotta, you know, back the homeboys, the hometown boys. The hometown boys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, video drone, Cronenberg's video drone, uh, very political movie. Makes sense, you know, it's all about like excess, like a lot of his movies are excess and going too far and stuff like that and the body horror deal. Um, but this kind of, I think, is almost a censorship deal. Um, 
which is uh, it's funny because it almost proves for censorship, even though he's going against it. You know what I mean? And he was yeah. to worry about censorship with his films. But um, you know, anybody who hasn't seen the film, James Woods, uh, a gentleman who I love because, like, I can see past his politics. Um, but and he's a local. Certain people can, so he's hated nowadays. Yeah, James Woods stars in this film, and uh, you know he he's investigating the un, this un, this like small like um, show. It's a show or a station. I can't quite remember. Off I think it's, I, I want to say it's this, it was the station, but there was a actually I kind of might have been a little bit of both because it, there was a show that was being shown on a, a specific station. I know he watches he watches pretty much a snuff video and he goes to investigate it. And he goes down this big winding path of madness and stuff like that. And by the end of it, he finds himself with the vagina for a belly. You know? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Because like, that's, the, that's the part of that movie that everybody seems to remember. If that doesn't intrigue anybody out there enough to go watch it, then I don't know what will. And I think it's actually it's on like Amazon Prime or something. Because I just recently watched it after we were talking about it. So, yeah, there's that. that. <laughs> that right there is a whole take on like you know you know tv's terrible for you you know the stuff that's coming across it is it, and actually i think um eli roth eli roth just talked about it too on um one of the new episodes of the yeah. that horror se- series that he's doing on amc oh yeah 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 it's a good show i gotta catch up with it yeah, I've missed like the last two episodes, maybe I think. So yeah, but it's definitely interesting because I've been learning a lot of things about certain movies that I like that I didn't know, yeah, like, like how that. we did our like the whole cursed films and like you know just just like little you know things like you wouldn't think of. Yeah. No, I know. I'm with you, Eli Roth. That I, I seen the first season of it. I like that uh, the history of horror, right? That's yeah. The um, that's a I got to finish watching the season two that came out this year, but I did, I did enjoy a lot. Well, I mean, season two isn't that far into it yet. I think they're only on like the fourth or fifth episode. It just recently started. So, yeah, but like they just did a whole, one of the last episodes I watched was all on like body, the body horror type movies. Cronenberg was the king of that. Um, Yep. Like I said, in the last episode, Frank Hannenlauter had a lot of that body horror deal to it too. I feel yeah, I think those are the, I think, I know he, I know Cronenberg was definitely mentioned <laughs> when we were, when I was watching that, so. Cronenberg's fun. I'll go back to Cronenberg, is fun because he's like, he, he's still, uh, up until recently he was getting, he was still getting respect for his films. Um, you know, like, because he did like, um, like Viggo Morgison one's History of Violence and um, the mob, that other mob one. Ah, man, where he plays like a Vigo plays like a Russian hitman or something like that. It was right. It was right, history of violence, and then this one, tip of my tongue. Can't remember to save my life. I know it's very sad. So we'll go into the next film, which is <laughs> Frank Darabont's The Mist from a Stephen King book. Just talked about this movie recently on uh, James Lamont's Culture Shock show. Uh, relating, we were talking about censorship, and it took Darabont. It took him like ten years to make to be able to make it the way he wanted to with that dreary ending because they wanted a more studios wanted a more positive ending, 
And uh, I just remember coming out of that theater with Drew, like, gloomy and just dreadful. Because that the ending to that movie was bananas. The, the, you know, you can't even, like... That's a wild ending for anybody out there that hasn't seen the ending. Yeah, it's like... It's, a lot of the times it sucks trying to talk about movies because you don't want to ruin it for other people. You that don't want to tell them what it's going to be. That one's been around for a while, so I'm going to spoil it for you. And... So like they there's these there's these aliens that come down and take over their little small t- a mist so supposedly like that they and they look they like they they look like giant bugs yeah the government like releases something by accident uh, within a mist rolls through a small town within that mist are these giant bug deals um and they these this, these people are held up in a, a in shopping a, in a, shop, a supermarket supermarket. And it's like the breakdown of society because you see them, certain ones start to take sides and they get yep. leader. And then you got that, you got that one lady that's like super religious yeah. and like, like starting a, to push the Bible on everybody while they're trapped in there saying that they all need to like kind of pretty much repent yeah, their absolutely. sins because that's why all of this is happening. And, you know, very cult yeah. Leader-like. Very cult leader like. And, um, you know, so yeah, it, most cult leader stories don't end well. And, um, but the whole deal is how, like, you get to this movie, and at the end of the movie, they finally escape the, they escape the, the, the shopping center, and they're in a car. They run out of gas. Now, all they have left is bullet, bullets for, like, everybody in the car. All right. The fog's all around them. Um, I think they, they were short one bullet. The fog's all around them. And, uh, you know, they're out of gas. It's only a moment, a matter of time before they realize they're there and they rip apart the car and they fucking eat everybody in the car. So one by one, the dude, the, the, the uh, J, uh, Thomas Jane, the father, rolls yep. through everybody in the car, giving him the old fucking 50 cent in the face, shooting him. Uh, he has no bullets left for himself. Kill, yeah, kills everybody. Not just everybody. He has like an eight-year-old kid. Yeah, that he 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 protected this eight-year-old kid the entire fucking movie. Yeah, and kept the kid like, alive because usually, usually it's the women and the kids that and, and the black people in horror movies that seem to die first. And goes, Close your eye, Johnny. Think of the ocean. Close your eye and think of Christmas morning, Johnny. And then he yeah. shot his son's face all over the the window. Yeah. And then, uh, he was gonna go. He was gonna shoot himself, and then he he has no more bullets left. So he looked a lot like Alexander Hawk when he tries to, you know, <laughs> leaves the car. And then after he leaves the car, he gets eaten he by one yelling, of the bullets. And he's like, he's yelling. He goes, ah! And he goes, "Come get me! I'm so angry with you, aliens! Come get me!" And, I just uh, killed my son that I managed to keep alive. You killed my son. You made me kill my son. And then, uh. So as he as he's screaming and crying out to these aliens, come get him! The the fog, the mist breaks, and a fucking gust of wind comes through town and makes the fog go away. But it's really the the, the armies, the armies moving in. Yeah, so, coming to clean up their mess. So the dilemma, the dilemma is he's standing outside of a car with five dead bodies, and it one being of his son that he he just did all of them in. And they just end the movie with him, like, wondering. He's about to go spend the rest of his life in jail. 
wondering if he'll be able to return those Christmas presents. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 until you nobody finds out it until part two, but maybe he'll have. Maybe he'll need, meet a nice new lady with the stepchildren he can give the Christmas presents to, and that'll be the part two scene. <laughs> but very dark movie, super dark. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it, and it's actually not a bad movie, and the book is, the story is actually not a bad story at all. Yeah, I, I love the movie. There's a, there's a cool um, black and white. I love how, like, how, there's so many members, cast members from, like, the first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead are all in it, too. Yeah. Audition for, you know, Kashi My Case, 1999 film audition, very political. You know, there's a girl who kind of abducts her boss and tortures him. And it's kind of has that, the political aspect of, you know, the person above you who's always shitting on you and talking down to you. And you're flipping it and getting the upper hand now, which is kind of like the Romero Land of the Dead vibe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, audition was before Land of the Dead, but. And they both share that similarity. You know what I mean? You've, have you seen Audition? I haven't, I've, but I've seen Land of the Dead. Audition, yeah. Land of the Dead's a good watch. I always liked Land of the Dead. Eugene Clark, his portrayal of Big Daddy, like, that zombie scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> Eugene Clark's a good guy. He came around the rock and shock a few times. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think... You know, the, these political films, you know what I mean? Um, and then that's a lot of things, like, people think, like, oh, why do you watch horror movies? It's a waste of time. Well, like, if you actually really pay attention, there's a lot of things um, within the horror movie genre that, you know, are very political and are usually situated to what's going on at the time. Yeah, you know. There's also, have you ever seen a movie called Fight for Your Life? Never even heard of it. Yeah, it's a Robert A. Endelson film. I stumbled into it later in life, maybe in the last two years. Uh, Anchor Bay or Double no, Underground put it out, and I just randomly rolled into it. Um, and it's a crazy worth the watch, huh? Worth the watch. It's worth the watch. It's very exploitationy, so kind of grindhousey in the way that it's shot, low budgety. Um, William Sanderson is in it. Um, he was from like New Hard and he was in Blade Runner. Um, if you've seen his face, you know who he was. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. I'm just trying to place the face. And he's, it's like, it's another, it's almost has a last house on the left kind of vibe to it, but with more ra- racism in it. Where like, um, Sanderson and his partner, I believe they're like these, these criminals on the run. And they stop in, and there's an African American family, and they like can they go into their house and kind of hold them hostage, and it's one of those deals. And they're like racist, so they treat them like shit. And by the end of it, though, that they, they they flip it and they kind of like reclaim their house back and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it has that flip flip to it. It was very ahead of its time as far as like something you'd see nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Nowadays, every single movie is every single movie now is like just remakes and reboots, anyways. So, yeah. So this is one of the it's one of those flicks that uh, it was very hard. Like I never heard of it. I randomly stumbled into it and I grabbed it when I seen it because it was just one of every now and then you 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 know you something called out. You run into that gem. 
Not as much, not as much as it used to be, but every now and then you'll stumble into something that you've never even heard of, but you'll go, how have I not heard of this by reading it and then grab it, take it home and be like, nice. That's kind of old horror, like dig, dipping into some old horror every now and then from a blue underground or maybe an old anchor bay. If you could, if you find something really we like rare for their catalog. Um, a criterion, a criterion's always good with that. You know, Arrow's good with that. Just stumbling into stuff that uh, you haven't seen that you—that's new likings, new new good stuff for you. you yeah, know? it's kind of a rarity nowadays. But yeah, the last movie that that I I wanted to bring up was that movie because I didn't think anybody else would talk about it. Um, because that obscure, but I didn't yeah. want to mention it. And I'm sure there's. Movies that uh, we could have brought up, but the show's only so long, and uh, that was that. So, you know, uh, in closing, Mad Mel, what what place do you think politics have in horror films? Um, from the majority, like, I think there's a lot, because just the way... <clears throat> just, like, I'm sitting here, I've got all the presidential stuff going on and like listening kind of in the background and like, it's just the horror films kind of help alleviate the seriousness of what's really going on the way they do it. So it kind of makes it easier to deal with the bullshit of society. A little spoonful of sugar to help the medicine. Yeah, to, to help the medicine go down, you know, because they they really are all they're doing is like sugar coating whatever the issue is at the time. Yeah. So it makes it easier to deal with because you know I think watching the news and whatnot that's more of a horror movie than the horror movies we watch. Agreed. I was going to say I agree with you, and I was going to add that yeah, you know real life is pretty horrific. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like people love to. You know, why do you like horror movies? They're so violent. You watch the news, right? Mm. On a daily basis, there's stuff on the news that's worse than any horror movie I've ever seen. Right. So it's not like it's going to be that much of a big deal for me to sit here and binge watch Halloween when everything that goes on in the news makes me, you know, want to binge watch Halloween. Just to forget about what I just saw there. Yeah. And with it being in horror, you know, horror's been a, a genre for, for the longest time that, you know, the fans of it really love it, but the outside world don't really respect it. And if you want to bring in new things, you always bring it in through the back door. Uh, and the same things with horror films. Like, yep. I think a lot of the a lot of the monumental movements and progression made with cinema. was The horror of- genre isn't afraid to think outside the box and you know, to show that everything isn't just roses and butterflies. Well, horror is always—it's always been an outcasted platform. People that make it, people that watch it, and you know the the, the themes of the films and stuff. So it only makes sense that you would dot you would dive into out, outcasted people, outcasted characters. Um, it's just more relatable stuff. You know what I mean? Because so. it's all us outcasts get to stick together, and you know talk about it <laughs> we're kind of you know considering like oh you 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 must have problems for you know to be able to watch those movies and not be bothered by it 
yeah, I do have problems. That's why I watch them. They make me feel better. <laughs> hey. Well, you're po- at the end of the day, I mean, the po- politics is broken down into pretty much what? Like just to, a debate? Two people that have different differences of opinion? Yep. Is that what it boils down to? I, I'll take I'll take my love of horror and the way that they present their films and you know how they touch on things going on in our world any day over you know actually physically watching the news sometimes. It's like when it's one of those things, you know what I mean. Movies are have the magic and power to do anything. Uh, and with saying that, I'll say that you know when Night of the Living Dead came out. I wouldn't be surprised if you see people getting so caught up in that story that you could have seen gentlemen that were in the Ku Klux Klan, haters, like hater, people that hate black people. The power of movie, they, they could have maybe got so caught up in that movie that they cared for that Ben character when he got killed. And they could have said, wow, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. that's how powerful movies are. So, like, yeah, it's important that it's important that everything's tied together like that. It's beautiful. Yeah, and they do it in a great way. Yeah. So with that being said, at this time now, we have a new president, but I, we don't know. They're voting right now. Um, yeah. But more importantly than that, we have a new episode of Shock Treatment TV, the first episode ever. Uh, that's who you should really be voting for on the Boombastic Media YouTube page. Uh, it is the, the, the interview we have with... Sarah Sam- French and Joe Netter. So if you haven't had the opportunity to check out blind yet and you're sick of listening to all this political bullshit right now and you need a break from it go find blind and watch it blind will help blind you from the blue shot around yep. you. let you forget about what's going on in the real world for an hour and a half yes but don't forget check out blind as well as boombastic media youtube page subscribe to it and then you'll be the first people to know when anything pops off. You'll be you'll be notified immediately. You won't have to wait for one of us to share it on a page or do it. However, <laughs> have it for you right there. It's just like when you sign up and you when you do the the the, the follow us on the Spotify, they send you. Yep. A it's a beautiful thing. So, with that being said. You know, you all have a great night. A great night. Stay safe in the insanity that is our world. Mm hmm. And uh, don't get too political out there, folks. Keep leave it for the horror movies. Exactly. We're not going to make it out of this world alive. Don't kill one another over you know the outcome of the election. Word up! All right, we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Of shock treatment with Mel and Marty, political <laughs> edition. Bye. Bye. <laughs>